That's worth coming right there for, wasn't it? Come on. Sandy had to put her, le- her hand on my leg. It was just a going. I'm telling you there's something wrong if your foot wasn't tapping right there. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord with you today. Hey, listen, if you and I were to walk down West Main Street together, and as we began to uh, meet people along the way, if we would just ask them, what, what do you know about Jonesboro Heights Baptist Church? What kind of responses do you think that we might get? Some might say, well, you know, it's, it's a beautiful church on the outside. The grounds are always kept, and surely that is the truth. Some might say, you know, we come at Christmas time, and your Christmas musical is absolutely glorious, and that would be the truth as well. Do you think the people over in the apartment across the street, do you think they think about us at all? What are we known for? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we asked someone and they said something like, you know, I'm not sure exactly what's going on over there, but it sure seems like there's something good. Or how about this, even better, what if on our watch, during our lives, if Jonesboro Heights Baptist Church became known as, oh yeah, Jonesboro Heights, that's a soul-winning church. What if that began known in the community? and even around the state. Jonesboro Heights, that's a place where people love Jesus so much they can't keep quiet about Him. That's a soul-winning church. I can't think of much better description of any church. Can you? Yet for many of us, I think it's safe to say that sharing our faith is a struggle. This most precious part of our lives. I know it's hard. I struggled with it myself just last week because I, I felt like I was supposed to talk to somebody that was packing us out. And man, here I am, doctor of divinity, struggling with the right words. I also came across a troubling statistic this week that said that 80 to 90 percent of all people who make professions of faith, 80 to 90 percent will fall away from the body of Christ, will fall away from the church. How do we make sense of that? With all of those things kind of swirling around in our mind, let's open God's Word together. We turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke 18, beginning in the 18th verse. You can follow along on the screen or in your copy of God's precious Word. Luke 18, 18. A ruler questioned him, Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Who are we to even utter your name? 
we come only into your presence because we believe it is your desire and out of your grace and your love. And we beg you, Lord Jesus, for our failures to forgive us and cover us with the blood of the cross. Erase anything that would stand between us this moment. Draw close to us by the power of your Spirit. May we feel your presence and hear your still small voice. Speak through these words and help us to be the people that you have destined us to be from the beginning of time. We love you. We desperately need you. And we pray all of these things with great expectation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Two men get on an airplane. They move to their seats. Each one gets situated and prepares for the flight. A stewardess approaches each man, goes up to each one individually and says to the first one, with a parachute in her hands, she says, Sir, I want you to put this parachute on. She says, if you put this parachute on, it will make your flight much more enjoyable. You'll be more comfortable, you'll be happy, you'll be content. You'll receive better treatment and you'll get more stuff. He looks at the parachute, kind of doubtful. I mean, it doesn't look very comfortable at all. And, and he just kind of doubts. And, but then again, he says to himself, who doesn't want more stuff? And so he slips the parachute on and prepares for what she says is going to be a better ride. But after a few minutes, she, he discovers that that parachute is kind of binding in all kinds of uncomfortable places. And he understands, he comes to realize that his, his ride is not more enjoyable. In fact, his movement is greatly restricted. And on top of that, making it even worse, all the rest of the people in the airplane begin to kind of elbow each other and point and they begin to laugh because they say, well, that's just foolishness. After all, why wear a parachute on a perfectly good airplane? And after a few minutes, man, he just gets fed up with the whole thing. He rips off the parachute. He shoves it back to the stewardess. He says, I can't believe you tricked me this way. And it'll be a long time before you get me back in that parachute again. The stewardess then goes to the second man. She hands him a parachute, but to this one she says, Listen, I've just discovered that the plane is just almost out of fuel. And we're at 25,000 feet. And as soon as we run out of fuel, this plane is going to drop like a rock. And anyone who does not have a parachute is certainly going to die. Well, the man looks up, grabs the parachute, and puts it on immediately, without hesitation. He too discovers that it restricts his movement. But he doesn't care. In fact, he's simply thrilled. He's joyful to have the parachute. And yes, the other passengers begin to point and laugh and nudge each other, but he doesn't care because he knows what? That parachute is going to save his life. Two men, two parachutes, one airplane, one journey, both the same destination but two very different experiences. Why? Isn't it because the two men had very different expectations? Likewise, listen now, 80 to 90% of all people who make professions of faith 
are going to fall away from the body. They're going to fall away from the church. We understand that. We've seen it. How many times have you seen someone that's so excited, they're baptized, they're absolutely vibrating, and we look around six months later, three months later, even a few weeks, where are they? They've fallen away. And we ask ourselves, why is it? Well, some would say, well, we don't follow up very well in the church, or, or we don't do a good job of integrating people in. And maybe those are both true. Or maybe it's because we don't share the kingdom of heaven in the same way that Jesus did. Perhaps we give them false expectations. How does the modern church share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Think about it for a minute. We say something like this. If you pray this prayer, if you say these words, if you believe in Jesus, then you will be saved. From that point forward, you're going to have love and joy and peace followed by heaven. In other words, your journey, the trip, is going to be happier. It's all about you. It's all about your journey. And we're absolutely thrilled, rightly so, when someone walks down the aisle. But then what happens? What's Jesus say is going to happen? John 16, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have, do you know the world? In the world you will have tribulation. Luke 9, 23, and he was saying to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What's the testimony of the apostles? Eleven out of twelve of the apostles died martyrs' deaths. The twelfth one died an old man on a prison island. What's your testimony? Has it always been easy? Have your children always grown up beautifully, wonderfully, without problems? Oh, if it was only true. Everything's easy from the time. No, we find that we are struggling to be conformed into the image of Christ. That our activities are somewhat restricted. But how does the modern church share the gospel? Love, joy, peace, happiness followed by heaven. And when the times get more difficult, as they almost always do, it's like, get me out of this thing. Get it off of me. I can't take it, and I don't, I'm not happy with you for sharing it with me and, and somehow telling me that everything was going to be bunny tails and rose petals. We scratch our head at great revivals, at entertainment evangelism. You know, in my last church, we had the, uh, these strong men come up, man, and, and I, I can hardly imagine being in here because... They were, they were like, you know, ripping telephone books up. And I got up and ripped some telephone books too. No, I did not. Man, they were taking horseshoes and bending them. I was just amazed. And then at one point every night, they would light all these bricks on fire. And then, pow, they were breaking bricks. And everyone's like, wow. And then they'd do an invitation to come. Man, people were coming from everywhere, down on front. But where were they the following Sunday? And we scratch our heads. And the world kind of snickers at us because for them, says 1 Corinthians, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. We shouldn't be surprised. 
Think about the, the, the parable of the, of the four uh, soils. When Jesus talks about 75% of all people who accept Christ, who, who, who make professions of faith anyway, will fall away. Some because they're unprepared for tribulation, because of the evil one, or because they're putting all of their faith in their wealth. 75, 80, 90% dropout rate. So what can we do? Well, how about this? How about if we shared the good news the way that Jesus did? You can't ever go wrong that way. Well, how did Jesus do it? Luke 18, 18, a ruler questioned him saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Listen, just pray this little prayer and everything will be okay. Is that what he said? Absolutely not. He took him straight to the law. And he lifted up the law as if it was a mirror. And he said, you know the commandments. Do not steal, commit adultery, do not murder, do not, do not uh, bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And the rich young ruler said, I, I've kept all of these. We find out later that's not true. As, as Rich said, he had made wealth his idol. He had made wealth his God. And then he lied about it. Three commandments broken just like that. But more importantly, for all of us at this moment, why did Jesus go straight to the law? Why did he hold it up, the law, as a mirror? Listen carefully. I want to tell you something today that I think most Christians don't understand, but you're going to understand today. Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed. Man, there's some mouths in the world that need to be closed. I, I listen to all these comedians on television making fun of the faith, and there's a mouth that needs to be closed. Sorry, went off course. Every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God. Because, listen, here it is. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law never saved anyone. The Ten Commandments, the law, acts as a mirror showing us, listen, how terribly fallen and how desperately we need a, a, a Savior. That's the purpose of the law. And you know what? We get really upset sometimes because we've taken the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses. We've taken the Ten Commandments out of the schools. Why are we angry about that? Well, we're angry because it kind of, you're infringing on our territory. It's a slap in our face. No, I'll tell you why we should be angry. Because when we take the law out of school and the law out of the courthouse, we take away the mirror. And as the scriptures say, every man will do what's right in his own side, in his eyes. And what the scriptures say is the heart is more deceptive than anything. And when we take away that mirror, people are going to go and do whatever they want to do. How did Jesus share the good news? With the rich young ruler, he held it up as a mirror. With the woman at the well, how did he treat her? Do you remember the woman at the well? Woman with multiple wives, li husbands living with a, a, another man. What did he say to her? What did he say? 
Did he say, listen, just say this little prayer and everything's going to be all right? Of course he didn't. The first thing he did is he went to the law. Listen, in, in the 16th verse, he says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you live with now is not your husband. This you've truly said. In other words, child, you are an adulterer. You have broken the law of God, and the sin separates you from him. And Jesus held that mirror up to her, or as Galatians 3.24 says, therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. The law has become our teacher so that we may be justified by faith. No false promises. No salesmanship. Rather, a light shining in our darkness. A mirror held up to our own sinfulness. A tutor that will lead us to salvation from hell through faith to Jesus Christ. Now what might that look like if we were to share the gospel, the good news, the way that Jesus did. Let me see if I can find a stranger to help me. Hey, hey, Bill. How are you, my friend? Good, good. It's good to see you. I, I just want to tell you, I'm so thankful over the last few weeks, I guess it's been months now, that we've kind of got to know each other. And I want to tell you, I don't have that many friends in my life. Your friendship has become a real treasure to me. And because you're my friend now, I just want to ask you something that's so important to me. Are, are you a person? Are you a person of faith? Well, I'm spiritual. I, I'm not really religious. Spiritual, but not religious. I understand. So, as a as a spiritual person, do you know any of the commandments? Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not lie. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever lied? Uh, maybe a small one now and then. Just a little one? Yeah. Now, the truth is, me too. So, what do we call someone who's lied? Uh, a liar. A liar. Mm. Do you know any of the other commandments? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, I've never done that. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad because, you know, adultery is such a devastating thing to a family, a community. But you know what Jesus said? He said that if we just look at another woman with lust in our heart, hmm. that it's the same thing as adultery. So hmm. let me ask you, have you ever lusted in your heart? Um, I guess so, maybe. I understand, me too. Ever stolen anything? No, no, no. Never anything, not even when you were a little kid? Well, maybe, maybe when I was a little kid. See, there's a lie again, isn't it? Hmm. What do we call someone who's stolen? A thief. Have you ever sworn using God's name? Well, only if someone makes me angry, makes me lose my temper. Makes you, yeah. You know, the Bible says that when we use the Lord's name in vain, we are blaspheming against mm -hmm. God. Well, I've never killed anyone. Uh, that's a commandment, right? That is a commandment. And I'm thankful. I can't even understand how, you know, the destruction that that might cause. But did you know that the Scripture said, that Jesus said that 
If we are angry without a righteous cause, if we show rage against someone for selfishness, then, then it's the same thing as being a murderer. So, in just a few moments, you confess to being an adulterer, a liar, a thief, and a blasphemer. And so if you stood before God this very moment, would he find you innocent or guilty? Mm. Guilty, I guess. Yeah, me too. And would that mean heaven or hell? Well, heaven because I'm a good guy, and really I believe God is a good God. Yeah. So, so if I got pulled over for speeding and had to go to the Lee County Courthouse, and I stood before the judge and I said to him, Judge, I am guilty, 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 but... I believe that you are a good judge, so I know that you're going to let me off. Mm. Would he? He wouldn't, would he? Because he's a good judge. Because he's a good judge, he would have no choice except to find me guilty. So let me ask you again. Heaven or hell? Mm. Hell, I guess. Does that trouble you? Yes. It did me too. Let me put it this way. Imagine you and I were on an airplane, and, and that stewardess came down and she said, you know, the plane's out of fuel, and in just a few moments, it's going to crash. And you looked over to the other side of the airplane, and, and over there you saw a parachute. What would you do? I'd go put it on. You'd go, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't just say, I believe that that's a good parachute. No, no, I'd put it on. And, and you wouldn't put it on for a moment, but you'd keep it on, wouldn't you? Absolutely, because I know if I take it off, I'm going to die without it. Right. You see, it's the same way with Jesus Christ. You confess to be an adulterer, a blasphemer, a liar, a murderer, a thief. And I stand right beside you. And the sins that we have accumulated... There is no way that we can pay off that debt. There is no way that we can earn our way out. And so Jesus Christ came and paid for our sins at the cross. And the scriptures say that the way that we must apply that gift is to accept his free gift, to put on Christ. That means to become more like him, to turn away from our sins that would only lead to death, and to become a little more like him. Every day. Does, does that make sense to you? Yes. Are you ready to accept his free gift right now? Yes, I am. Thank you. Jonesboro Heights Baptist Church. That's that church that loves Jesus so much that they can't keep the truth to themselves. Jonesboro Heights Baptist Church, that's that church that's constantly out there looking for people to share the faith with, that have so much passion and love for Jesus that they can't keep it to themselves, that they can't be still. Oh, I've heard about them. They're known across the community, around the state. 
Why is it that we find it so hard to share our faith? Perhaps it's because we've bought into this modern evangelism and because our life's not easier, then we kind of have a hard time sharing it with someone else when it doesn't quite add up. Perhaps it's because our testimony is so inconsistent in our daily life that we just don't want to feel hypocritical about sharing our faith. It's time for that to stop. Perhaps we stop believing in heaven and hell. Or at least in hell. How convenient that is. Because if we believe, how in the world could we not share the cure for sin and for death? So how about you? I know most of you have come to the place where you've accepted Jesus Christ. But I would be shocked if there was someone here that hadn't made that commitment. You know, there's a lot of reasons to walk down the aisle on Sunday morning. Some might say it's because, well, you know, my, my brother did and I didn't want to be left out. Or, or my sister did. Or, I, you know, I came forward in VBS because the crowd did. Or I got caught up in an emotional moment. Or... I wanted to be a member of the church. I wanted to be thought of as a good person. There's a lot of reasons to walk the aisle. There's only one good one. That we have felt the brokenness and the weight of our sin and know without a doubt that Jesus Christ is our only hope. And we have truly and humbly repented and accepted Christ as Savior. Not just a moment, but a life-changing beginning that affects the rest of your life. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ in just a moment, I beg you to come forward. I beg you to come forward and I'll introduce you to the Savior of the world. Or maybe you know someone right now, if you were very honest with yourself, if you were very courageous and allowed the Spirit to search you, if you closed your eyes and just said, Lord Jesus, bring to my mind this moment that one person that I'm going to go witness to. And then come to the altar and pray for that person. Pray for yourself that you'll have the courage and the equipping to go. Or maybe you're just looking for a church home. You know this is the place that the Spirit has called you to worship and to serve. Whatever it is that the Spirit of God has called you, the Spirit of God has called you. Won't you please? Won't you please come and say yes? Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we have done everything that we can. We turn to you, begging you to move mightily. We know this is your desire, Lord. Move into the hearts of your people for those that not have not yet accepted you as Savior. Oh, please draw them to you today. Write their names in the Lamb's Book of Life this day. For the rest of us, Father, help us to take that step so that we may be known, not just in this community, but in the kingdom, as a great soul-winning church for you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Who will be the first to come?